Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Nick Draghi. Nick is the co-founder of SafeTrack, a mobile personal safety app that bridges the gap between doing nothing and calling 911 in an unsafe situation. Welcome, Nick. Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So I told you before um, we started that I, that you cannot believe how Safe Trek has been this part of my world. And this, <laughs> so it started with I'd heard about it a while ago, and mm-hmm. I thought it was a great idea. I had no idea you were here in St. Louis, and then we were writing a blog for one of our clients about women traveling on their like business. A lot of women business travelers, and mm-hmm. many women are traveling on their own, and just talking about some safety things. And I was like, you know, we have to talk about this Safe Trek app would be a really good thing to blog about. So I contacted your company and asked some questions. I talked to Aaron and Uh, Aaron was awesome and and gave me all kinds of information and then said, well, here, download the app so you can try it out. So I have it now and I want to get it for my daughter. And I swear, I want to get it for a lot of people. I think it's amazing. But talk about just what it does. I think this is so simple and yet so fascinating and very much needed. So listen sure. up people cuz I'm going to tell you there's people you're going to want to get this for. <laughs> well, it, it's it's hard. It's very easy to talk about what Safe Trek does coming from a world that, you know, we've been doing it for 4 years now. Um, but really to explain it, it's it's better to back up and first explain um, the problem. Um and in general, not many people understand this because, you know, so rarely do you actually have to call 911. Right. Or you're hopefully never in an emergency situation. Um, but 911 was built on a landline infrastructure. Um, so back in the day, um, and I, you know, I barely remember landlines. Right, <laughs> um, right. But back in the day, if you needed help, you call 911. It's in the hard line. So even if you can't talk, they already know your address. They know information about you. Um, they can right. inform the first responders and dispatch them appropriately. Um, fast forward to um, the cell phone, smartphone era. Um, 911 is still built on that landline infrastructure. Um, and there's a lot of funding complications and why they haven't been able to um, make a massive update um, to transition to this uh, smartphone era. Um, but not many people understand that if you were to call 911, um, from your phone right now and can't talk. Um, they, they don't really know where you are. No you have to be able you. to give them your location. Well, they do have some ways of locating you, but it's not accurate. So okay. they can use cell towers in your area to try and use a method of triangulation right. to figure out where you are. But that gives about a 300 meter accuracy reading. Um, takes about seven minutes to do it. Um, and then you couple that with them really having no information about who you are. Um, it's nearly impossible to send right. a, a first responder there. Um, so that that's that's one problem. Um, two is if you, if you think about it, um, even if you can talk and you call 911, um, if you're the person in the emergency, um, it's not really realistic. You're going to spend the first five minutes on the phone giving them basic information that we all transfer in the push of a button when we're trying to call an Uber right, right. now or exactly. a Lyft or getting an Amazon package delivered or Postmates, whatever that is. Um, and so those, those, that's a serious problem. Um, and, you know, most 911 public safety answering points, I'll shorten them as PSAPs probably moving forward in this conversation. PSAPs, we got it. <laughs> um, 
the the data about you that's transmitted is limited to about 500 characters. That's it, 500 characters, um, which is absolutely crazy. A few um, tweets. It's it's less data. It's less data than caller ID. Um, to put it in in perspective. Wow. Um, which is, you know, we we live in. 2017. It's crazy right. to think With about information, it. information, right? So now that now that I've explained the problem, you know, when when we um, started Safe Trek, um, we really wanted it to do two things: one, be a bridge between doing nothing and calling 911 when you felt unsafe, because um, there's way more people in the world that feel unsafe, and there are actually people that are unsafe. Doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to do something proactively when your gut says, hey, something isn't right. I'm not in the best situation. I'm not in the best situation or there's something that feels weird around me right now. Yeah, exactly. And so we wanted to provide an alternative to the most popular choice in those situations, which is doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, And praying. Exactly. And and praying. (laughs) Um, And secondly, and, and most importantly, in the event that you are in an emergency, we wanted to guarantee that we could get the help that you need, whether that's police, EMS or fire um, to your exact location, even if you can't talk or text, even right. though we certainly enable those functions if if someone is able to do so. Um, but we wanted to make sure that help is going to be on the way regardless uh, of, of what happens or what your ability to communicate is. Wow. It's amazing. And so talk about how easy it is, though. Yes. Yeah, I so mean, it is. A, it's, you download the app and what's the what is the cost per month? It's three dollars a month. Three dollars a month. And yeah, it's so there's there's a few different things. So there's our consumer app, which our mobile application, which is um, really how, how we've gotten to this point. What most people know us for, which is what what you're talking about, which is really simple. Um, you launch the app. If you feel unsafe, let's say I'm walking from my office to my car at night, I simply hold my thumb down on the button. I get to my car. I enter, I let it go, I enter in my pin, nothing happens. Right. Now, if something happens where you take your thumb off the button and you don't enter in your pin, um, we go through our emergency dispatch sequence and get help to your exact location. Um, that's one way, the hold until safe, which is on the button, branded on the button, is a is kind of been a, a, a popular use case or a way that people use it. Um, but we also have people that, um, that use it and just pull it out and tap the button and stick it back in their pockets rather than holding the button down. They just use it as like a silent, discreet panic alarm. Um, some of the emergencies we deal with, domestic violence related oh, situations really? where being on the phone um, would escalate the that person's level of danger. Um, and so they, they use the button as just a one tap panic alarm, put it in their pocket. And Don't, then somebody yeah. is still called to their situation? Exactly. Interesting. Okay. So, and what I was thinking, I mean, you know, right now, so here we are in, you know, August and there are going to be a number of parents sending their children off to college Mm -hmm. and freaking out about it. I would think this would be a wonderful gift to send the kids off with. You know, if they're going to be on college campuses and what have you, that is... I feel it's one of, I mean, I'm, my daughter is definitely getting it. She's 15. She's at the point where, you know, I want freedom. And, mm-hmm. you know, so we're in that weird balance of here's a little bit, but not too much, you know. Um, but you you want these kids to have an easy way to get help if they need it. Yeah, it's it's interesting because when people ask us, you know, what in, in your mind, like, what are you, what are you selling? Um, for us, we it's peace of mind. Right. Peace of mind for the user of the application, the end user of that application to live freely. Um, and 
sometimes a peace of mind isn't just for the user, it's for the parents. Right. And we see that in a lot of cases, our biggest demographic of users because of the nature of where we started in college is, is still college campuses. Um, and so parents purchase the app for their, their kids. Um, we even have universities like Washington University who actually sponsored the app for all of their students, faculty, and staff. Really? That's um, cool. As just a, a, another safety measure. I love that. I love that idea that the, the school would sponsor it. Yeah, it's it's something you know we've we've been we've been so hyper focused on on just focusing on our end customer rather than figuring out these larger enterprise right. campus deals. Um, but we have seen an influx of the past year, especially um, in outreach from businesses that that want to work with us to protect their employees, to universities, to um, other safety applications and technologies that want to be able to enable this automatic dispatch component. Right. And that's really the other side of our business and where we're heavily focused is that, you know, we know we're really, really good at getting people help. Um, and it's not easy what, what we did over the past four years, really figuring out how to dispatch automatically anywhere in the U.S. is not something that has been replicated. Um, and so what we what we do is we work with other safety apps that are coming into the space that want to be able to dispatch um, even even wearable devices is where we're getting into now. Right. Um, and so that's a really interesting uh, avenue that we're pursuing at the moment. So and I want to talk more about that. We're going to take we'll take a quick break sure. and we will be right back with Nick. back with Nick and we are talking about SafeTrek, this amazing mobile app. So how how many people are like sitting there on the phones or wherever? What do they do? Tell me what that looks like. Paint a picture. Yeah. So we have um, 75 Diamond certified ProQA um, agents, um, not all at one time monitoring the, the back end, but um, it's kind of like an Amazon web services model for any of the techies out there. Okay. Um, it scales up as we need it. So if there's a huge influx of, of active use sessions at the time, there'll be people that will onboard and will we'll go up to 10 dispatchers or whatever it might be to be able to handle the carrying capacity of those users. That being said, we've never had to have that many at a time yet. Right. Um, because a few people can, can handle all of our user base at the moment. But we have 70 people trained um, to work on our back end. So what happens is... Do when they go to one place or are they... We have three locations. Okay. Um, Lafayette, um, Chicago, and Baton Rouge. Okay. Um, and so they're spread out just with certain regulations of time zones. And if there was a power outage, we had to kind of set it up that way. Wow. You, so you really, th I mean, there was a lot to think through to make this happen. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we have an incredible group. You know, there was a really smart group of people that we started with originally. Um, Zach, Aaron, Brittany, our team now. Um, uh, you know, we kind of have uh, the right the right people in the right places. Um, and it certainly every day still takes a group to, to think through because this is not an easy problem to right. solve. Um, but yeah, getting that, our operations set up for us to grow and scale to um, where we are now and where we're hoping to go has, was certainly the biggest challenge. <laughs> and, and did you all go to school together? 
Um, three of us went to school together, and then uh, Zach met Brittany out in San Diego because we were out in San Diego initially after school before okay. we moved it back. Here. And you went to uh, Mizzou. Yes. Yeah, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so three of you were at Mizzou, and then you started the company out in San Diego. Started it our like last year in Columbia. Okay. Um, and then after graduation, um, out in San Diego. Actually, we're kind of spread out um, a few different locations because some of us were working. Um, still, um, when we were trying to get it off the ground and that's when Zach met Brittany and she's amazing. She's kind of like the heart of the company. Okay, um, cool. And so, um, yeah. And so, and then you guys decided, let's go to that startup world happening <laughs> in St. Louis. Yes. Um, you know, three of us from Missouri, um, two of us from here in St. Louis, um, kind of had some connections here and obviously heard whispers of this ecosystem that, yeah. was, that was starting We've to We've got build it going here. on here. It's and you're at T-Rex. T-Rex currently. Um, we've been there for, um, I guess, 15 months, 16 months. And we just recently signed a lease to start building out. We're building out a huge office space actually on the second floor of T-Rex. Really like the whole back half is going to be safe track. Wow. Um, and so we're, we're here for the long term. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I have a very funny story. And for everyone out there, please don't do this. But um, <laughs> my uh, my daughter, we were, so TEDx has an office at T-Rex mm. and we were, um, there, I brought my daughter along and, you know, they don't want to, her and her friend were there and they don't want to hang out in a meeting, but it was, <laughs> it was after hours at T-Rex. So it was great, big building to go run around and explore. And they were running around and they wanted to go up on the roof. <laughs> and so yeah. they're like, asking the, they're asking the cleaning people, can you let us get up to the roof? And the cleaning people are like, no kid. You know? <laughs> and then, then someone says, and she's telling me this, she, someone says, who wants to go up to the roof? And so oh she's. Oh my gosh, it was Aaron. And so, was Aaron who it was? Okay, so, so she's like, we do. And, and so this guy's like, okay, I can get you up to the roof, but first you have to listen to me talk about Safe Track. <laughs> it was and, definitely and Aaron. It was hilarious. And so then she's like, she's like, I already know about it. He's like, you do? And she did because I, you know, and so she's like, yeah, my mom knows about it. And so she told him the whole thing. He's like, awesome. And then. He gave them access to the roof and they went up there and took their selfies and, you know, what have you. But it was, so that was Aaron. So tell I was Aaron, standing right there, have, yeah. When that happened, like, that's oh hilarious. Oh my gosh, yeah. okay, that's hilarious. So I thought it was so funny. And, and and I was like, good for you though that you actually remembered what it was. Yeah, I mean, that's that says, they, you know, I'm sure that they liked that, that yeah, you know, there's people that actually know about this app and what it can do for them. Yeah. So you were there too? Yes. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> so was... funny. So, and then when I heard, so you're going to be one of our TEDx Gateway Arch speakers mm -hmm. to talk about this app. Yes. And um, and so I'm looking through what all, all of our speakers and I was like, oh my gosh, I know all about this safe <laughs> truck thing. I am all over the, and I used it in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Um. And because we were we were running around Seattle and we had a an Uber driver and I mean most Uber drivers are great right but we had one guy that mm -hmm. wasn't so great and he decided well this is fine you just want to get off here and then walk over there and me not really paying attention <laughs> I got out and I went oh this isn't a good place for him to drop off my daughter and I in the middle of Seattle oh my and we ended and, and you know we were fine I mean by the our destination wasn't that. Bar, but I was like, thank you that I have this state. Did, did you track. use it? Did you hold down the button? I you just had it button. open. I hold that and I didn't have to use it, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. But it really is easy. I mean, it is that easy because I think that 
what would you do otherwise? I mean, you've got your phone, you do do nine one and just get ready for the other one. I mean, you yeah, you may not have the wherewithal to, and so I love that it, the ease of use for this to me says so much. I mean, just that simplicity, but I'm so impressed with everything that's gone behind it. It's 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 interesting because if you think about, you know, at the time when we were starting, there really weren't a lot of safety apps in the space. Now it seems like there's hundreds. Um, but uh, it's interesting because when you think of like the alternatives to what we do, it's like you said, I dial 911, have it ready to right. call, which if something happens, like, and you can't talk. Right. Probably not going to get the they, help They're you not going to find you. Um, or two, it's like, hey, I'm going to call a loved one and have them on the phone, which if you think of like the safety apps that are out there and you look at like SafeTrack competitors, right? Um, a lot of them have this like family or loved one or trusted person um, monitoring feature where I can tell mom or dad or husband or wife that I'm going here and if something happens it'll notify They'll them. They'll know or, where I'm at. But right. the, the issue with that is like, you know, that's a marketable feature. You know, in our back end we have an emergency content that people can input, but we leave it to the dispatcher and the first responder to decide when or if they should involve them. Right. Because the issue is is that if mom or dad mom or dad might know might want to know that you're in an emergency, but in all reality, they can't do anything about it. Right. It's not they're not the most important people that need to know to get you help. Right. It's the first responder as quick as possible. Um, And if they do know, they're going to try and call 911. They're probably not located in the same location as you. So that cell tower is going to route them to the wrong piece that that can't help them with this emergency. That's wherever it might be. Exactly. Um, And so there are some challenges with that. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the future? I mean, you guys are going to look at the larger, like, you know, larger offerings to larger organizations and entities. But what what are some other things you're working on? Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, I I personally have spent a lot of time on that, this bulk um, purchase, bulk partnership type of model and, and exploring that with, you know, Washington University, some of the businesses. And it's, it's interesting to us, um, but, um, you know, I think we'll, we'll take those as they come in inbound and, and work with people on a one-off basis as mm-hmm. they want to protect a, an employee base or a, a small population of residents or students right. or et cetera. Um, but our focus is actually, how do we enable automatic safety? Um, you still think of SafeTrack today, our, our mobile application, we brand it as Hold Intel Safe. That just, when you say Safe SafeTrack, we think of the company. When you say Hold Intel Safe, we think, oh, that's our mobile application. Right. So okay, we kind of gotcha, brand it differently. Gotcha. But, okay. um, uh, when you think of that today, it still requires you to do something. Um, yes. And so you're walking to your car, you still hold your thumb down. It's, it's a, it's a use case. Um, but as we, as we expand and move forward, it's more about how do we take that same technology that powers that automatic dispatch when you let go and don't enter in your pin and insert it in places in your life um, where you might experience an emergency event and completely eliminate the need for you to talk, text, or even think about it. So before or even at the instant that you're in an emergency, help is already on the way. Wow! So if you think about a car accident, um, you've been in a car accident, your OBD due port tells us that an airbag's being deployed, we're already sending help to your location. Oh, gotcha. Or you're wearing okay. a wearable and it detects that you're having a heart attack, we're already sending help to your location. 
Um, and of course, there's the thousands of applications that are emerging in the App Store that will continue to power that require user prompts because those are important too. Um, but where we're hyper-focused right now is figuring out who are the companies and partners that have technology to detect events, emergency events, um, with a high level of certainty. So then we can then say, okay, we're going to tie emergency dispatch to that because we know they're likely in an emergency event. Wow. Um, and so that's kind of the the focus of how do we build the new 911? Right. Um, and what does automatic safety look like? And we're trying to be at the frontier of that. That is amazing. Good for you guys. Thank you. We are going to take another quick break and we will be right back with Nick. And you are back listening to Mishmash, and we are talking to Nick Draggy about Safe Trek. Uh, so I've got some questions for you. Okay. I'm going to take you back to your so so long ago, your college days. <laughs> okay. <laughs> for oh, me, man. it's like a, I don't, it's I don't forever ago. Well, now we're not going to talk about anything crazy. <laughs> um, but you started Tiger Pantry. Ah, uh, yeah. And yeah. and so I want you to tell us about Tiger Pantry, but I also want you to tell us like what was the food that you were most happy to see donated when that like what was the canned yeah. good you went yeah that's what we need interesting I, this is this is funny I haven't gotten asked about Tiger Pantry in a long I time know. that's why you're here <laughs> um, so the interesting thing with Tiger Pantry um, was you know there when you think about when you think about social issues a lot of people will be the first to say like hunger oh hunger because it's an easy one to associate right. with all sorts of problems. Um, but not many people will think about food insecurity. Um, same way, and I, I like to compare that like the same way, like when people think about diversity or talk about diversity, it's easy to talk about race or sexual orientation. Right. Um, people don't talk about diversity in socioeconomic class, um, income levels, et cetera. And that in college is actually, in, in my opinion, one of the, the biggest gaps is there's so many people um, from so many different socioeconomic classes, right? Um, and Mizzou and you know state institutions in general um, are really the ones that are supposed to take everyone on, make it accessible for everyone. Um, the issue is, is that some people would go to Mizzou, um, they would have limited support from their family, they wouldn't have you know the means to prop themselves up appropriately and so they wouldn't be hungry but they wouldn't be food secure yeah yeah um they would you know be buying cheetos or fast food all the time exactly. or whatever like that the is. really in, inexpensive food exactly. that, with low nutritional value and then when you start to add uh you know low-income individuals that also have that also have families that are there um, th there are some really big problems that exist on college campuses. And so food insecurity is something that, you know, flies under the radar, um, for most people. And, you know, we kind of saw that personally, and that was really the inspiration behind starting Tiger Pantry was how do we, yes, there are food banks already in the Columbia area. If we just wanted to set up a food bank and, and get people access to food, we could set up a shuttle bus and take people back and forth sure. to the food bank. Um, but actually how do we create a resource that, 
takes people from a food insecure place to a food secure place. Um, and so when you going back to your question about was I most excited to get donated? It wasn't really a donation. It was a commitment from the university, one of the professors that said that we could use a sustainability class and a plot of land um, to oh, actually wow. start bringing in fresh food, um, which was huge because it took us from just this canned food, bag exactly. food. Um, because prior to that, I would probably answer what most food pantries would say. Peanut butter. Right. Chicken, Something with protein exactly. in it. Right. Um, but that was a whole, that, that was interesting. I mean, now it's, it's kind of cool to, to check in with them because they, since it started, it's given out over 100,000 pounds of food. I mean, it's done a lot of things that I, I never envisioned um, would be Tiger Pantry, but wow. kind of cool to reflect on that. Good Thanks for, for asking. You. Yeah. That's so cool. I'm glad I did. I love <laughs> finding out information about people. And Okay, so um, in your call center employees, like, is there a certain... Um, what are you looking for in those people? Is there is there like a thing that you're really yeah. looking within so, them? I, Aaron, Aaron is really the, the right person to talk to about this, but I think I could get close to answering what he would say. I think we look for people that have a level of empathy and compassion and heart because, um, I mean, even if you talk to 911 dispatchers, those people are heroes. Right. I mean, if you think of a 911 dispatcher today, they have so little data coming in but they are trying to do everything they can to get this person help. Same thing with our agents. I mean, they have a lot more data coming in, um, but these people choose this this way of life, and they're not con- like they're not connecting face to face. It's a really stressful job, and it right. takes a certain type of individual that is is so passionate about um, you know getting people help and making sure people are okay. And that's awesome to know that those are the people on the other end, right? You know, yeah. with that. I mean, it's just, that's wonderful. Okay. And I have my, okay, let's go to millennials. Okay. I love millennials. <laughs> All right. I, I have millennial mindset. Mm. I'm definitely not a millennial, but <laughs> I totally have millennial mindset. And I was, and when millennials started showing up, I was like, my people. Um, so you had actually written a blog. Mm-hmm. about millennials yeah. and that they don't want just a job. They're looking for the right, right job. And I so understand that. And I see, and and I've always been that way. Like, I don't want just any job. I want the job that like fuels me and makes me happy and makes me feel good about what I'm doing. Yeah. And and do you see that with, is that just a general yeah, way I mean, millennials? Uh, first off, I'll, I'll, I'll disclaim that I don't want to, you know, speak on behalf of millennials because I think if there's oh, anything that I've learned no, about <laughs> millennials it's that we all have like, a different please idea. Please quit talking about us in the <laughs> <Yeah, a chunk. laughs> Exactly. I can speak specifically for my, my own personal experiences right out of college um, before Safe Trek was where it is today before you're raising money, etc. You know, I took a traditional consultant, not traditional, but a consulting corporate job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have never been more miserable in my life. And that was, I think it was a, a lot of things. One, I think it was a combination of, I had just come from this experience at Mizzou where I was able to work on Safe Trek and Tiger Pantry and things that I got up every day and I was like super motivated. Right, exactly. Um, I felt like I was doing my part to, to make the world a little better. Um, whether that was true or not, I felt it. Um, and then you took all those aspects away and it was like, I was just going to work for corporations to figure out how to improve their bottom line. And that's a different, I, I highly respect the field. There's some really smart people. Um, I think that's, you know, a, a huge disconnect 
and what you know my parents generation was versus versus ours where right. i think you know there's more of the mentality in my parents generation is like you just get a good job yeah get up go to work get a good job right provide for your family and you know that that's something you can be proud of um and i certainly believe the same thing um i on the other hand i think there's this more complicated piece of of us as humans, not just as millennials, but I think millennials were told it's okay um, to speak your mind. It's okay to be unhappy. It's okay to voice that. It's okay to, to change. Um, and now, you know, we're just not really content with the status quo. Like we don't want to just be o- like, feel okay. Right. Like we want to feel good. We want right. to be motivated. Well, we want to be inspired. Bigger scope and, and like what I'm doing has a much bigger scope than, you know, yes, you, you, you do need to mm-hmm. get up and be purposeful and provide for you, your family, what have you. But then to also think, and I'm helping out the world in this way, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I, I think a lot of that might be attributed to our parents because I know I know if you look at like you can find any post on this online, I feel like of like the hundred things you regret at the like later stages in your life. Right. And I feel like we have just had it beat into our heads. Don't like, regret your life. Don't regret this. Yeah. Like don't regret this. You're not gonna care about the money. You're not gonna care about all these things. And now it's almost like it, it's almost like we've taken all of that and and we're trying to solve for everything so early in our life. Like I am 25. <laughs> I need to like I need to have explored the world. I need to be working on my passion project. I need to have checked off that I try to start a business. Right. Blah right. blah blah. I and I don't you. know if that's realistic either. It's probably somewhere <laughs> in the middle. But, but hey, it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I think it's awesome though. And and I mean, I I think it's I think I love thinking in that bigger scope of things, you know, and we do need it. We obviously, we need this on earth right now. I mean, there's some things that aren't looking so good. We got to help it out. Yeah. You know? I, I, uh, I, I could not agree more. I mean, I, there can never be too many people trying to, trying to solve the world's biggest problems in my opinion, but Exactly. Maybe we all don't need to have a nine to five doing it, but. <laughs> right, <laughs> but. <laughs> right. And then you're an entrepreneur and it's like yeah. nine to nine. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I always, I mean, and people, you know, you think to yourself, yeah, I just, I didn't want to be a part of the corporate world. I didn't want the nine to five. I'm like, and now I work like all the time, but, <laughs> but it's stuff I love doing. It's, and I, I think, I think that it's so accurate. And I think there's, if there's one thing I have learned, like maybe the one lesson I have at least started to master is I feel like I, from jumping back and forth several times, like I realized the grass, there's always some patch of grass on the other side that's greener. Right. And so it is so much better if you can figure out on a regular basis how to remind yourself how green your grass is. Oh, Um, I love it. I love it. Your grass is green. (laughs) Exactly. And I, I... Anyways. Well, thank you, Nick. And I look forward to your talk oh, at our TEDx event. It won't be a long one. It's just a quick demo talk. So yeah, but an important one. demo talk. So thank you so much for Thanks doing for it for us. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, <laughs> sir. Well, you all out there have been listening to Mishmash. Please go to iTunes and subscribe. And we always have awesome people on like Nick. Thank you. Thanks.